Good morning, everyone. Jonathan, would you go back there and get my bottle of water? I left back there. Thank you. Vlad, it is 4373 Wade Hampton Boulevard, Taylor, South Carolina. Got it? Now, next week, you've got to get there. So write that, put it in your phone, 4373 Wade Hampton Boulevard. Good. All right. Well, hope to see you there next week. I'm looking forward to that. But we are so thankful that we have had this place to, um, to worship in because we have set it apart on Sunday mornings. It has become the house of God. And we have met him here. And he has, his presence has been with us and has carried us through. And just because we're moving, he's not going to stay here. He's going to go over there. But the great thing about God is he is going to stay here. Some of you uh, attend school here. Some of you have kids who come here. Some of you may even teach here. Um, and where you are, there he is. And God will still be in this school. So we're thankful for what God's going to continue to do at this location. Because God's going to do it all over Greer. Not just uh, where we are over in Taylor's, but here too. So we're thankful for that. And since it is a school, we're going to uh, check your homework. Remember I gave you some homework to do? Did you do your homework? I asked everybody to read the Bible for seven days straight. Our grade scale was if you read five days this last week, you'd get an A. All right? I'm going to force you to do it. How many of you read at least five times this week? Let me see. I want to take grades. Yes, look at all those A's. Or A's. Thank you. Thank you. Good. Good. Great. That's great. For those of you who weren't here last week, we're going to give the assignment to you too. And if you didn't make the assignment... I'm a good teacher. I'm going to give you a second chance. You can make it up, and we're not going to give you a grade this week. We're going to grade you next week. So again, we've got seven days this week. If you'll read it seven days, you'll complete the task. That's my challenge to you, to read the Bible for seven days straight. But things happen. It gets busy. If you read it five out of seven, we'll give you an A next week. All right? Good. Okay. Now, we do need to do some review <clears throat> because some of you, this is your first time. And uh, we went through uh, a good bit of time span last year, um, last year, that's what it seems like, um, uh, last week. And so I want to catch you up with where we are. What we're doing is a walk through the Old Testament, a walk through the Old Testament. There are 77 people, places, and events that happen throughout the Old Testament, throughout the historical books that we're going to uh, deal with. And we're going to memorize those key steps so that we'll know the big overview of the Old Testament. Now, sometimes when we get into the Bible, our first place to go is the New Testament. But there's so much that we, we don't want to miss out on in the Old Testament, especially in the historical section, because this tells us the story of where everything began. It goes all the way back to the beginning of creation, and that is our first main event. And so we had our first keyword, our first step to the Old Testament was creation. And we are using hand signs to help us memorize these. It's just a way that uh, sometimes our minds work better if we can connect them to something. So we've got a word and a hand sign to help us remember. And it'll help us go through the 77 steps of the Old Testament. So those of you who were here last week, help me out with this review, and we'll do the first hand sign. So what was it? We're going to put our hands out here. And what's in your hands? What's, what are you holding? Nothing, and out of nothing, God created everything. So our first step is creation. 
All right, good. So those of you who weren't here last week, you get an idea of what we're going to do. We're going to do some hand signs, some motions, and put all this together. And the first 11 chapters of Genesis deal with the creation, the fall of man, the flood, and then the spreading out of the nations. And so we have four hand signs to do that. So those of you who were here last week, uh, you can uh, do this along with me. So here we go. Creation, fall, flood, nations. God was looking down on his earth, and what he wanted to do was to spread the people throughout the nations. But at the Tower of Babel, the people were trying to stay in one location so they wouldn't spread out, so they would make a name for themselves and be a a, a great, huge nation there. But he wanted to spread them out, so he confounded their languages, and that's why we call it the Tower of Babel. And he spread the people throughout the world to make the nations. And at that point, when he did that, he looked down on one family. He went from having... um, looking at the whole world, and he zeroed in on one family down in a specific location. So, uh, Bill, if we can put up this slide for the... Um, yes, there we go. We, we went to some locations. What we did, we take this map, and we're just going to slide it down and put it under your feet here. So it's on the floor below you. So as you look up here, that's really where you're sitting. Now, we need to get some directions straight uh, so we know where everything's going. Um, So this part of the auditorium, this is the north end, okay? So if this is north, what is that? Okay, and what is that? West, good. That was a little tricky there, but that's west. So we've got north, and what is this? East, good. Okay, now let's kind of settle that in our mind so we know where we are. This is Come on. Southeast, yes, southeast. So we're going to go southeast. Southeast on our map down here, we've got um, a city. I think he's moved a little bit. We must have had an earthquake shifted a little bit, but he's still over here. Ur, would you please stand up? Here's Ur. Everybody point to Ur because when we have locations, we're going to actually point to places on the map. So that's where it is. So Ur, you point to yourself. And everybody else is going to point there. So that is Ur. So when we think about where God first looked down and zeroed in on a family, it was in the town of Ur. Thank you. Have a seat. Now, just south of Ur is a body of water. Anybody remember what that was called? Persian Gulf. And so we're just going to take our finger and do the rim of the Persian Gulf. It's that gray water back there. So we'll just do our finger like that and say Persian Gulf. So the town is... Ur, and the body of water is Persian Gulf. Now, the family that he looked in on was a a family. We're going to have four main characters of this family. It was a larger family than that, and it got larger and larger and larger. But we're going to talk about four main characters. So when we're down in the Persian Gulf, and we just put our finger along the, the rim of the Persian Gulf, if we were to touch it to our lips, what would we taste? Salt. Those four letters, S A L T, are going to remind us of our four characters. Remember who they were? Sarah, Abraham, Lot, and Terah. Abraham is known as the father of the faithful. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you probably know Abraham, but maybe not the other characters, but they are important too. So Sarah was Abraham's wife. Then there was Abraham, also known as the friend of God. He was called the friend of God. Then Lot was Abraham's nephew. And then Terah was the father of this clan. And this is a patriarchal system, and so Terah was the main one. He kind of set the... The agenda for things, but God spoke to Abraham and said, I want 
you to move. And then he did. Now, when God looked down to this little town, we need to get a time frame of when this happened, okay? So we're going to have several time frames in our, in our seminar, but what we're going to do is put brackets for time frame, and we're going to stretch it out depending on how long a period it is. Well, this period was we're looking back to how long ago was it that Abraham lived. And we talked about it last week. Do you remember how long ago that was? 4,000 years, okay? So we're going to put our hands together like a bracket and stretch it out and say 4,000 years. Now, most of the time, that'll be the period of time something lasts. This is 4,000 years ago, just a little explanation there. So 4,000 years ago, God looked down at a little town called Ur that's down near the Persian Gulf. And when we taste our water, it was salty, so that reminds us of salt, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah. All right, so those are all the ones to, that are we've got to. Let's put that all together and then catch up to where we ended our seminar last week. So everybody do this with me. Creation, fall, flood, nations, 4,000 years, Ur, Persian Gulf, salt, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah. And then when God told them to move, they went where they were going to go was the promised land. And we'll understand that this is the promised land. And nobody took me up on my case last week. Just some, some loners down here. But this is the promised land right here, okay? So we'll get to that. So it seems like the shortest way would be for them to come straight across here. But there's barren desert and not easy travel. And they may not make it if they had to come across this way. So they traveled by near the water. You need water. So they traveled near two bodies of water, two rivers. And it's called the Fertile Crescent. But the two rivers are the Tigris and the Euphrates. So along that outside wall, we're just going to take our hand and wiggle it up this way because the river's never straight and just say Tigris. And then right beside that was the Euphrates. And those two rivers, they flowed down to the Persian Gulf, but Abraham and his family traveled north this way from the Tigris and Euphrates to a town called Haran. Haran. And a major event happened here. We ended our, our service last week talking about the death of Terah and how important that was in the life of Abraham because the patriarchal system, when Terah died, now Abraham is the oldest uh, patriarch, and he now is leading the clan. And so it was a major change in his life and how he was going to be leader and step up to the task or not because, yes, God talked to me and back there, and, and I convinced my family, that yes, this is what we should do, but it was still Terah that was leading that. And now Terah is no longer there, and so Abraham has to step up for the leadership, and he did. And so the way we do our symbol for someone dying in the seminar, and there'll be a lot of people dying during this time. Nobody here, okay, I hope not that, but during the, during the event, we talk about that, and we're just going to put our hand over our heart, and bow our heads momentarily, and say, Terah dies. So where did he, where did he die? Haran. So it's, they came up through the Tigris, Euphrates, Haran, Terodise. Now we're going to fill up some more um, geography while we're here, before we really get into the meat of, of the, the history. But I need to lay out some geography. So what we've got here, you see Israel on the map. We're going to start with the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea. That's where we're headed this way. So you two ladies right here, you are the Sea of Galilee. All right? 
So what you're going to do is you're just circling yourself. It's a nice color green water. That's good. So, but everybody else is going to point to these. So if you just stand up long enough for them to see you. It'll embarrass you a little bit. But everybody point over this way and do a circle because this is a lake. And y'all just circle yourselves there. There we go. All right, thanks. Have a seat. So this is what sea? Sea of Galilee. More like a lake, but they call it Sea of Galilee. All right. Now, along the Sea of Galilee, there came a river, and it's called the Jordan River. So I'm going to ask everybody along this aisle, you three right here, just to stand up. All right. This is going to be our Jordan River. It's a little shorter. It goes, maybe it's a little... Uh, low right here, but it gets bigger as we go up. So we're going to just wiggle our finger from the Sea of Galilee down this aisle and say, Jordan River. All right. So what do we got here? Good. Y'all have a seat? Back here, you folks, keep a seat. Don't have to stand up. Just hate to inform you that you're in the Dead Sea. So we're not going to bother them. We'll just point to them. It's a hot dog-shaped uh, body of water, so just kind of run your finger. Where the Sea of Galilee was more of a circle, we're going to do the hot dog shape and just run it back this way and say, Dead Sea. All right, those three bodies of water are? We have a fourth body of water that borders Israel, and it's over here. You guys over here are in the Mediterranean Sea. So... So from about Brad down this way, we're going to be the Mediterranean Sea, all right? So what we're going to do for them, since this is a bigger body of water, we're just going to scan our hand across it, all right? So we're just going to say Mediterranean. And we're not going to say sea, just, it sounds better just go Mediterranean. Now, y'all, since you're in it, we're going to let you just wave at everybody, okay? So wave at everybody. These are the waves of the Mediterranean, all right? <laughs> All right, so we've got the four bodies of water. Let's do that again. We've got the Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean. Good, good. And then this land right here, we're going to take our two fingers, index fingers, and just go Israel. And it's right here, so everybody over here has to kind of go like this, and y'all go like this, because this actual, remember, we pulled our map down here, and so that's what we're looking at, that little strip of land. Israel is right here. So you see the four bodies of water that border that. All right, let's do those four bodies of water again. Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean, Israel. Now, before we move into more of our, um, our history, I want to go over some different books. I showed you a couple of uh, books last week that we had keyword systems. And these pictures help you think about the name of a book, and then there's something in that picture will help you remember what that book is about. And so, Bill, put the next one up, up there. All right. Our first book of the Bible is called what? What do you notice about that word, Genesis? The N. And what about the N? It's, it's huge, but that doesn't work. How about big? It's a big N. Beginnings, beginnings. It's the book of beginnings. Everything began here. So when you think about Genesis, it's the book of beginnings. It's things began here. So beginnings. All right, let's do the next one. Second book of the Bible. Exodus. That's good. Yes, this is where the Exodus. It's the people were leaving the uh, Egypt. So you see there, you see Egypt in the background, and the people are leaving, and uh, some of them. They don't look too happy. They're not smiling. they got frowns on them. You know why they're not smiling? They miss their mummies. No. 
really. When they think about their time in Egypt, when they think about their time in Egypt, they think, oh, it stinks. So that's why they left. They got out of there. Exodus. Exodus. The book of Exodus is about exit. They were leaving bondage. All right. We've got some other books we're going to put up here. Go ahead and go through them, Bill. This one's a little, this is a prophet. You see what's behind him? It's a jury. So when you think of books of the Bible that might sound like jury, this is the book of Jeremiah. All right. That's just to get you the Jeremiah. And he, Jeremiah, he, he would begin to give cases about uh, the people and their lifestyle and what they were doing against God and bring a case. One thing God asked him to do was to go to bury a sash. That's the sash there. To bury it for a while. And as it was in the ground, it was rotten. And then he told Jeremiah to go and dig it up and use that as a sermon illustration. And one of his sermons, his prophecies about the, the people of Israel, was built on the rotten sash. So if you want to know about the rotten sash, you want to hear how God used that, well, read the book of Jeremiah. Let's go to the next one. Jeremiah also wrote another book, Lamentations. Good. About tears. This is a sad book. It's a shorter book, but it goes along with it about the exile of the people of Judah. And so he would, this one's tears. If you want to hear about Lamentations, go. If you want to hear about tears, the sadness of the people, read Lamentations. All right. Ezekiel, that's good, Ezekiel, and dry bones. There's a great message about dry bones in there. And, and Ezekiel got to speak and preach to the dry bones, and the dry bones actually got up. Now, that's a story to read there, isn't it? So if you want to know about that, read the book of Ezekiel. All right, go to the next one. Daniel. It's the book of Daniel. How do we know? The lions. Daniel and the lion's den. And this is about dreams. Daniel, there were a lot of dreams in the uh, story, in the book of Daniel. And um, he, he interprets dreams. He has dreams. So a lot of things about Daniel dreams. Let's go to the next one. It's my favorite. A lot of, my favorite for a lot of reasons. One is because this is a picture. I like the picture. What else? Who, what, what book is this? The book... Hosea, right, the book of Hosea. See, she's made out of a hose. So it's the book of Hosea. Hosea was a prophet. And what God told this prophet to do was to go and marry a harlot. There's the red light district that she's in. So that's where she is. So, but does anybody know her name? Gomer. Yes, Gomer. I don't know if Gomer Pyle was named after her or not, but that's, that's a funny name in the Bible. Gomer. Yes, there is someone named Gomer. It just happened to be um, who Hosea had to go and marry and the, the illustration, the life illustration that Hosea had to go through was, this is what you are, God's saying, this is what you are to me. The people of Israel, you are like a bride to me, and you are going away from me to other people. You're, you're going away, being unfaithful to me. And so the life of Hosea and Gomer was an was a actual picture of that. All right, let's go to the next one. This is one of the first five books of the Bible. All right, you see what this guy's doing down here? The guy in the red, what's he doing? He's, he's kissing what? He's kissing a foot. Which foot is it? The left foot. This is the book of left foot kiss. Leviticus, the book of Leviticus. The book of Le Leviticus. This is the book of Levi. This is an instructional uh, book. 
um, talks about offerings and feasts. So you see they're holding up offerings and feasts. And so there are several offerings and feasts that were given. And they had instructions on how to do that. So we find that in the book of Leviticus. Now, the, the Levites, they were the priests of the nations. And the reason, the way you knew who they were, because they were from the tribe of Levi. And you knew them by their genes. <laughs> Levi genes. All right, good. Okay. All right, let's go on to the next one. And this is the book of Numbers. And the book of Numbers is all about wandering. This is when they wander in the desert, just wandering around. All right. Is that the last one, Bill? No, this is. All right. This is the last book of the Pentateuch, fifth book of the Bible. These two guys, they're singing. So if there's two of them, it's called a what? A duet. And that's supposed to be a picture of me down there. So that is a duet run on me. The book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. So that was the stretch. I know that's the stretch. But you'll, you'll remember now, the book of Deuteronomy, there's two, two guys, and they're what? what are they? Those are like the Ten Commandments, the tablets. But the first law is back there, so they are the second law. So the book of Deuteronomy talks about the second law. And we'll get into that. There's really not a second law. It's just a second telling of the law. Same Ten Commandments, just Moses tells it again. So the book of Deuter- Deuteronomy, if you want to hear it again, the end of Moses' life, and he's telling the people once again what's most important. All right, so I think that ends up our books. So those are ways I hope now when you think about those books that it'll help you remember. And if you think about where was it that that uh, rotten sash was about, I heard a preacher talk about that. I could find it, find it in the book of Jeremiah. Okay, before we go any further, I think we need to go all the way back to the beginning go through all the hand signs, and end back here in Herod. So whenever we go back to the beginning of our walkthrough, I don't want to hear any whining or any complaining. Not all the way back. Don't want to go all the way back. In fact, I'm going to give you time to whine and complain right now. I'm going to give you just 15 seconds to get all the whining that's in you out, all right? And this is, we're going to let you do all the whining you want to, but no more after that. Only whine right now in this 15 seconds. After that 15 seconds, no more whining. Not just today, but forever, okay? So no more whining. All right, going to have 15 seconds. Are you ready? I want you to moan and groan as much as you want to because this is it. Ready? Go. Let's hear it. Ten seconds left. Are you going to moan and groan? Let's get it out. Let's whine. Five, oh, you're falling. You're, okay, let's get it. Five, five seconds. Three, two. Okay, stop. No more whining. Your whining is done. We don't want to hear any whining. You'll find out why you don't want to. Later on in our seminar, we'll find out that, that there were so many uh, Israelites that were actually killed because of their complaining. Actually, more compla- were killed through complaining than even for the sexual immorality that they had. So be careful when you whine. In fact, you're not going to do it anymore, right? We've got it all out. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. And when I say let's go all the way back to the beginning, I don't want to not just whine. I want to get excited about it because you're going to be able to walk through the Old Testament. You're going to be able to talk through the main people, places, and events of the Old Testament. How exciting can that be? I mean, I know that you're excited about your your team and everything's going to be great. And we're going to be shouting when Clemson becomes national champions. We're going to shout about that. But today we're going to shout about knowing the Old Testament, okay? So when I say let's go all the way back, I'm going to want you to go five times. Go, 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 go. All the way back to the beginning. Already? Okay, so that's what we're going to... I'm going to say, all right, let's go all... 
All the way back. Yes, wait. When I go all the way back, that's where you, when you're going to go, go. Okay, here we go. Let's go all the way back. Go, 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 go. Oh, wait a minute. If I'm going to be up here doing all of this, you've got to give me some feedback on this, all right? So let's get excited about this, all right? Let's go all the way back. Go, 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 go to the beginning. All right, everybody up on your feet. Let's go through this by standing up. You're falling asleep on me, so let's go. Here we go, all the way back to the beginning. Creation, fall, flood, nations, 4,000 years, earth. Persian Gulf, Salt, Sarah, Abraham, Lot, Terah, Tigris, Euphrates, Heron, Paradise, Sea of Galilee, Jordan River, Dead Sea, Mediterranean, Israel. Very good. Have a seat. Y'all did great. Good job. Good job. All right. We just finished doing Israel, and we're holding up two index fingers. And so what we're going to do here, Abraham was promised children. He was promised land, property, and progeny. Children, land, and children. The thing about it was his wife was barren. They were not able to have children. And when God promised it, he was already up into the 70s, getting pretty old. And before they ever saw a son, he was in his 90s. And so God performed a miracle in allowing them to have children. But God promised it to Abraham and Sarah, but sometimes when we think we know what God's plan is, we try to do things on our own way. Okay, I know this is what God wants me to do, so the way I should do it is, and then we begin to work out the plan instead of leaving it to him. He said, I'm going to do it. You don't have to do it. But too many times we try to to determine what God's will is and what it is, and we want to get there as quick as we can, the shortest way we can, when he says, maybe that's not the way I want you to go. But in their mistake of trying to do it their own, they did have a child. Actually, not them. Back in this time of, of, of a period, this culture, there were handmaidens to the ladies, and Sarah had a handmaiden. And so they got in their mind, Sarah can't have a baby, so if God's going to give us a child, it must be through my handmaiden. And so Abraham had a child through Sarah's handmaiden. So it's really not their child. But to them, it was. They convinced themselves. They rationalized it. They knew this is what it was. How many times do we rationalize what we think God's will is and then go ahead with it? Be careful what you do there because that was the wrong eye. The two next uh, words, key people, are... Names that begin with the letter I. So these are two I's. We're going to first point to your left eye. So don't mock me. You don't mirror me. You do your left eye. Point to your left eye and say Ishmael. Ishmael. Ishmael was the son of Abraham, but not of Sarah. Um, and so he was the wrong son. But God miraculously did allow Sarah to conceive and have a child. And his name was Isaac. So we have Ishmael, Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham and the first of many descendants of Abraham. It's going to get pretty big in here with the people that are going to be a part of his clan. But it started off with that one, that one promise that God would give a child. And in his time, he did what he promised. And God always will. So we have those two sons. Then Isaac had some sons. He had twin sons. 
Does anybody remember the names of the twins? Jacob and Esau, although you said it backwards. Who was the firstborn? Esau. Esau and Jacob. He had twins, but they were Esau and Jacob. But we always remember Jacob and Esau. And it's because of the character of Jacob. Jacob was a much stronger one, even though physically he wasn't. Esau was the stronger of the two. He was the first to be born. And these were not identical twins. These were so unidentical twins. When Esau came out, he was a big boy. Uh, he grew to be a big man. He was actually a hairy man, a very hairy man. And so for our hand sign for him, we're going to hold up our arm and rub our hairy arm there and say, Esau, Esau. Jacob came out second, but the scripture tells us that he was holding on to the heel of Esau. And that's what the name Jacob means, heel grabber. And that's what he spent his life doing, grabbing after his brother. I'm the youngest of six boys. Being the youngest has its po good points, but it has its bad points too. And one of the things that, I don't know, there's sibling rivalry that goes on probably with every, every uh, family. Not too much in our family except for the one just older than me. And I knew how to get on his nerves. I knew the right buttons to push. I knew what would make him angry. And, and just far enough, just before he hit me, and then I'd get away from him. Jacob was a lot like that. He was a lot like that with his brother Esau. He knew how to get him. And sometimes he did it intentionally. In fact, towards the end, he did it very maliciously. Jacob was what we call a smooth operator. So the hand sign we have for him and his craftiness is we're going to take our hand and the smoothness of our cheek say, Jacob. Now, some of you, Ben, I don't know where you, you're going to have to do this right here. Yeah. Vlad, you're going to take your hat off and do this right here. But, but find a smooth spot and say, Jacob. He was a smooth operator. He cheated his brother out of his birthright and the blessing of his father in two different ways. And he was a, it was a cruel way to do it, but it set him up for great things. Sometimes I don't understand what happens in the Bible. I don't understand how God uses different people. Jacob... Being a, a crafty deceiver is what he was. God still used him, and it was through his line that Jesus would soon come from. It was someone who that we wouldn't think that God would use because of how he treated his brother and treated his family. Even how he tricked his father-in-law. But still God used him. If you think that maybe you're too bad... For God to use you, read the life of Jacob and you'll realize, maybe I'm not so bad. And if he can use him, he can use me. So we have Esau and Jacob. So who do we have? We have Israel, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob. Now Jacob, when, when God decided to use him, he met with him in many different times. And because of, of, of his, his craftiness, there were times that God really had to get his attention. And there was one time when he was off by himself because he was leaving his father Laban that he had just tricked some things and headed out and he was going to soon meet his brother Esau, whom he had tricked and going to have to deal with that too, that God says, Jacob, i got to get a hold of you. we got to have a come to Jesus meeting, even though they didn't know Jesus at the time. He said, we gotta, we got to come together. We've got to have a meeting. And so one day... When, when, when Jacob was out by himself, 
he pulled up a stone to sleep and to rest overnight. And where he slept during that night, God met him. And it was like a, a staircase or a ladder came out of heaven down to where he was. And we know that is Jacob's ladder. We're not going to use it as a hand sign, but I want to use it to illustrate his life. That God spoke to him and said, I'm going to use you. And out of you, many nations are going to come and you're going to be blessed. To know that. To know that God wants to use you. That God, even though you're not... You feel like you're not usable, you're unworthy, that God wants to use you to take that knowledge and say, take it to heart. God, if, if you really want to, I want to be used by you. And so after he woke up, he realized that this is a special place. He turned his, his pillow that was a stone. He put it on end and put up a pillar there, a pillar of stone to say, this is Bethel, the house of God. This is where I met God. And if I ever want to remember that, I'm going to go back to that spot and know that. And because of what he's going to do and what he has told me now, I'm going to remember this place and everything I have to make this commitment. I'm going to give 10% of everything I have to God. It was at that moment that he realized this commitment is so important that it's affected my whole life. It's affected me. It's going to affect my family. It's going to affect my finances. And I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor what God has done here today. God has been good to us as a church. He's given us this place here, and he's done many things. And, and maybe we haven't done all the things he wants us to do, and we haven't been the best church that we could have been, but God still says, I'm not through with you. I still want to use you. And I'm going to put you over on Wade Hampton Boulevard, and I'm going to want you to be a lighthouse there to that community, and I want you to sprout out even further than you have while you've been here at this school. God has given us that place that we'll be able to call home, a base that we can work out of. That's going to be our base for our, our mission work that we're going to do in the area. So what I want to challenge you to do, just as Jacob made that commitment, that challenge in his own life, I want to be focused on God. I want to give it all to him. Let this move, this time of transition in our church, be the time when you commit. I'm going to give all I have to God. I'm going to give all I can to the church to do God's work and his mission of that church. I'm going to tithe to that church. I'm going to do what I can to make a a, a, a purpose in my life to be lived out through Freedom Fellowship. And as we move into that building, and that's what it is, just a building. When we move into that building next week, I want to challenge you to bring a, a gift, a love offering, a, a praise offering, a thanksgiving offering, above your tithe, above what you normally give, but decide next week, between your family, what can you bring next week as a thanks offering to God for giving us that? We need to go into that building and really praise him for what he's doing. So we'll take up an offering next week, just like we do every time during our worship, but we want that time to be a special time too. We'll take up our tithes and offerings, but also a thanksgiving offering for what God is doing in the life of Freedom Fellowship right here and now. So Jacob made that commitment. It, it put him on a, a good road. He met his brother. Things went well there. So read about that in, in the book of Genesis. You can see where it takes him. But he began to have sons too. He had 12 sons. So you ready? You got to get a lot loose to get all 12 sons here. Get them ready. No, we're not going to do all 12. There's too many. They're not as important. We're going to pull out one of his sons, Joseph. Joseph was the son. Now, Joseph was, um, he was the favorite. Even though Jacob had 12 sons, he did have a favorite in Joseph, and he showed favoritism to him. He gave him something special. Do you remember what he gave him? A coat. 
Coat of Many Colors. You see that Dolly Parton show? It was a good one. If you hadn't seen it, you might have looked at it. It was good. But the coat of many colors that, that Jacob gave Joseph was important to him too. It was, it was showing him how special he was. And he realized that. But the, the thing that he didn't understand was how bragging can get you into trouble. See, he began to brag to his brothers about how important he was. And, and in fact, he started having dreams. And there were the haystacks that represented him and his brothers. And all his brothers' haystacks would bow down to him. And, and if you're an older brother and your little brother tells you that you're going to bow down to him, how would you take that? Not too well, would you? And he had a dream of the stars and the, and the moon bowing down to his star, even saying his father would bow down to him. Now, how arrogant was that? But it was in his dreams, and he was just saying it. You see, he was, he was quite a hot dog. That Joseph was just a, just a hot dog spouting out for what he was. And his brothers mustered up the courage. To, they wanted to kill him. And, and they didn't relish the thought of killing him because of what, what his father might think if he lost his son. Now, some of you are getting it, but I think the rest of you need to catch up. <laughs> Let me be frank with you. I'm, I'm on a roll here. Don't stop me. <laughs> no, seriously. Seriously, he, 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 he was a hot dog to his brothers. And he was trying to show off to them, and, and it didn't go well. His brothers really did want to help, wanted to hurt him. They wanted to kill him, but if it weren't for another sandwich, Reuben. Reuben got him up and, and said, guys, we don't need to kill him. Let's sell him. And that was the better thing they did. So they sold him. So they sold their brother Joseph. So what they did, they sold him to a, some guys that were in a caravan, and they were headed on our map, so we're going to travel now some. So... Joseph, our hand sign for Joseph is going to be the coat of many colors. And just take the lapel of the coat of many colors and say Joseph. Joseph. And where he went next was all the way down. Now, which direction is this? South. He went south. And he traveled in the caravan, took him, loaded him up on the camels, and came all the way back to this land. And it kind of curves around here in this area back here. This is Egypt. Egypt. A larger country went down to Egypt. And while he was down there, he was, uh, some major things happened to him. You need to read the book of Genesis to find out just all that happened to him. But let me just catch you up to speed to where he really came to power. He went down there as a slave. He ended up in prison, and from prison became second in command of all of Egypt. Now, that's a powerful story. You need to read that to find out how that happened. But while he was down in Egypt, he did become second. And the, the king, the Pharaoh, had a dream. And Joseph interpreted the dream to mean that there were going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And so what we need to do is to store up during the seven years of plenty so that when the famine comes, we'll be prepared. Now, we did um, a series through Dave Ramsey, um, Financial Peace University, and he tells us how important that is to store up during the time of plenty. We call that our emergency fund. And I hope you have a six to even maybe a year's worth of emergency fund, the way the economy goes, that you have that stored up because there's going to be a famine coming. Famines come in everybody's life. There are times when, it, when we struggle with that and, and we need those resources. So God used Joseph to help out the land of Egypt during this time. But not just the land of Egypt. He wasn't just doing it for them. He was protecting his family. Because the famine happened not just in Egypt, but throughout the land. And 
Joseph's family, Jacob and his clan, were still in the land of Israel. And they were experiencing the famine, had nowhere to get get food, and so they had to go down to Egypt where their brother had prepared a place for them. So great story of how that all happens. But we've we've got Joseph down in Egypt, and then after that, the whole clan, Jacob's clan, we're now going to call them the Jews, all right? So I'm going to put my hand over my head like that. Anybody know what that is? It's a yarmulke. Yeah, if you have some Jewish friends, you know. It's a yarmulke, a little prayer cap that the men wear, a little prayer cap to cover their heads. So to represent the Jews, this is Jacob's family, uh, the land of Israel, that clan. We're going to call them Jews, and then they go to Egypt, all right? And when we're going to do that, we just go down that way and take a right to Egypt. So we're going to go Joseph, Egypt, Jews, Egypt. All right, let's put that together from Israel, all right? Israel, Ishmael, Isaac, Esau, Jacob, Joseph, Egypt, Jews, Egypt. Good. Now we're going into our next period of time. They were down there. The famine lasted for seven years. Now where's the promised land? Right here. Where are they right now? They're in Egypt. What's the land that God gave them? The promised land. Not Egypt. He used Egypt to help them during this time, but after the famine, they could have picked up and moved back here to the land, the promised land. But they didn't. They got down there. They liked it down there. (laughs) Their kinfolk was the second in command. You know what kind of perks come with that? Yeah, it was pretty nice down there. Things were going well. They got comfortable. They settled in, they had families, the kids came along and got bigger and bigger and bigger until it got so big that after Joseph died and after the Pharaoh who knew Joseph died, another king came into power, another Pharaoh, who didn't know about Joseph, but he knew about all these Jewish people around here and thought, wait a minute, if we don't do something about them, they're going to get more than we are and they might overtake us. So we need to put them in bondage. So they were down in Egypt for a period of 400 years. All right, we did. How long is this? 4,000. So this is going to be shorter. 400 years. Now, there's a lot of 400-year periods in this time. So that's going to be one we come back to. So if you fall asleep and uh, your neighbor wakes you up and said, he just asked you something, say 400 years because that's going to come out quite often. So do this. Put your brackets up and go 400 years. And while they were in there, the 400 years was a period of bondage. James bondage. No, (laughs) a period of bondage. That's what they were in. And so that's what we want to say it. They were bound. We're binding our wrists here. So it's 400 years bondage. But God heard their cry while they were there. They realized that they shouldn't have been there. They didn't realize that they weren't where God wanted them to be. They wanted to be out of bondage, so they, they cried out to God. God heard their cry and was going to send a deliverer. Remember who that deliverer was? Moses. Moses. Now Moses, if you remember about him, he grew up in the house of Pharaoh. Because the Hebrews were getting so many, the Pharaoh said, we just got to kill all the boys. If we just, you know, we kill the young, the babies that are born, then we can control their population. Well, Moses' mother put him out into a, uh, 
a basket that she put tar on to protect it and sent it out. God allowed it to go to the daughter of Pharaoh, and the daughter of Pharaoh took the child out of the river. That's why his name is Moses, drawn out of the river. And he became known as Pharaoh's son at that point. He became big in the, in the kingdom. And even though he was a Hebrew, he enjoyed the pleasures of the, of the kingdom for a season. But he realized he couldn't stay there because his people were in bondage and he needed to find a way out. He needed to deliver them out. God wanted him to deliver them out. And so he knew that was his purpose. He was going to deliver the people. Now, he took, it took some convincing. Moses didn't want to do it. He said he didn't talk well. He was fearful of it. Who am I that I should go um, to talk to Pharaoh? But God convinced him in several different ways. But one way, you remember he was a shepherd, and so he had a staff, and God told him to throw the staff on the ground, and what happened? It became a snake. And then what did God tell him to do? Pick it up by the tail, and it became a staff again. And that staff became a symbol of Moses, of God's work in his life. He used that, and so that's going to be our symbol, right? And so doing that, he could, he could go with power and confidence in that. And he was a powerful leader. And so what we're going to do is we're going to reach out and grab that staff and raise it up and say, Moses! Moses was a powerful leader, so i got to hear it. So we reach out, grab the staff, and go, Moses, we know he was such a powerful leader. Even, you know, by the end of his life, he started looking like Charleston Heston, and he was a powerful man. But that's going to be our symbol. Now, if I hear a weak Moses, we're going to have to go all the way back, okay? So I don't want any Moses. No, Moses was a powerful leader. He was going up against Pharaoh. He was going to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage. And so we grab that staff with confidence and say, Moses! And that's what God wants to do for us. He wants to get us out of bondage. We all find ourselves in bondage from time to time. We get where we think God has led us, but we become complacent. We settle in, and we forget about where God really wants us to be. It may be where we're not supposed to be. We do go off somewhere. We start some bad habits, and those habits begin to take over our lives, and we become bound to that. We get to a place where we know we're not supposed to be. We're involved with people, some friends that aren't doing well for us. They're dragging us down, and we become in bondage to that kind of lifestyle. Or maybe it's just the lifestyle that I'm fine where I am. Things are good. Don't mess with me, God. Don't interrupt my life. But it's, it's your own bondage that keeps you from moving to where God wants you to be. In the promised land, there's so much more better. So much that we can enjoy. Yeah, they might have had it good for a while in Egypt. But the longer they stayed, the worse it got. The longer you stay where you are, the worse it's going to get. God wants to lead you out of that bondage. He can do it. It's been fun going through these, walk through the steps and things, but there's serious messages that God has for us throughout all these stories, and I hope you'll read them. But this story of how God gets his people out of bondage, 
apply it to your own life. It's not good enough just to know these people and places, but what does it affect me? How does it affect me? This history we talked about last week was God's story of what he's done in the earth, and it's also our story. The story of the Jews, you know, we went down to Egypt too. They're part of us. We are part of that group that went down there. Our line through Jesus goes through them. It's our story too. And just as they were released from bondage, God sent a deliverer to us, and his name was Jesus. And the sin that has us bound, we can be free from it if we'll follow Christ. If we will just serve him, know where he wants us to take us, you'll be in the promised land. Some of us has accepted Christ. We moved with him for a while, but we found ourselves complacent. And if we think about it, yeah, I didn't know I had the bonds, bonds on me, but I am. I'm not where I need to be. And today I need to move out of that. I need to get out of Egypt, get out of bondage, and do what God wants me to do. Get back to where I need to be. The band's going to come up. We're going to play one last song. I'm going to pray. And if you need to deal with this idea of bondage in your own life, this altar is going to be open. If you need to come here and pray, ask God to send that deliverer in your own life, a real freedom that you need, that only Christ can bring. It's offered to you today. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. Lord, we thank you for, for not giving up on us. Even when we find ourselves in bondage, you're still there wanting to help. You've got the key to set us free. Help us to accept that, to see it for ourselves, to see that you do want us somewhere else. You do want us in a better life. And it only comes through following you. Lord, thank you that you gave Jesus. And we know that the freedom that he gives is just a gift that we have to accept. But as we continue to live on after that, that gift that we've received, help us to stay in the promised land look to you where we need to be. So as we need to be freed from our bondage today, would you free us? Would you help us to accept that and to move 